Welcome to Short Stories, a podcast on mommyhood matters by the Shortest Tallman. I am your host, Maggie Tallman, the Shortest Tallman herself. Grab a cup of coffee or tea and hang out with me while we discuss everything mommyhood. I'll share with you a bit about my own life and stories and bring on some amazing guests who are real moms like you and me doing really amazing things. So let's get started. Hey guys, how's it going? Um, Sorry, I kind of like fell off the face of the planet a little bit in uh, the internet land. And, um, you know, it's the end of July and it's just been crazy. Um, Obviously, my kids are home for summer vacation and um, I've just had a lot of things going on. They took swim lessons. um, So we were at the pool every morning um, some little day trips here and there and things like that. So, you know, every, everybody's going through the same thing, I'm sure, or some variation of the same. Um, but one big thing that kind of, you know, really sucked up some time uh, for me this summer, and as well as my mental and creative energy, um, is this new adventure that I'm taking on. And that is that I'm working on my certification to become a kinder music educator. Um, my kids did kinder music classes when they were younger. Um, Angie's actually taking a class this summer, my, my tiny Tallman. And um, I've always enjoyed it, and I've always had an interest in early music education. Um for example, when I would go to conferences, a lot of times I would sign up for those workshops, even though, you know, I'd be teaching general music at elementary or, or um, even at middle school. Um, I've just always kind of been fascinated with early childhood music. And um, I'm this opportunity just kind of fell out of the sky and I'm pumped. I'm, I'm so excited to be doing it. I actually just finished my four-week practicum cracks me up, um, you know, having been a, a teacher, a public school teacher for 10 years. Um, and now here I am doing another student teaching. <laughs> I've been telling some of my teacher friends about it and they're just like, get out. Um, I mean, it makes perfect sense because it's a different experience. It's only four weeks long, but you know, still it was kind of wild. It, it brought me back a little bit. Um, but it was so much fun. It's just, you know, when you do something, when you kind of take a chance on something and you do it and it just feels magical, this was that for me. So I'm excited because I just feel like I found a perfect way for me to get some of my, my music ed energy out um, and do it and, in, in, you know, be able to fit it into the balance that I'm, I'm shooting for with my life right now you know, as, as a stay at home mom. So it's kind of great. I have this little part-time situation going on. Um, after having been, um, you know, a, a full-time stay at home mom for a couple of years and now I get to kind of ease in a little bit. So it's tricky. I mean, finding that balance is really tricky. I like to ask um, the guests of the podcast about that because, um, you know, everybody's preferences are a little bit different. Um, your the needs of your children change. Um, obviously, you know if you're married. I mean your um, balance with you know what your husband is doing um, impacts quite a bit of you know obviously just practically what can you do what can you afford and then on top of that you know what are his hours like um, do you need to be home more or can he be home more and you can you know work outside of the home more whatever. And of course, you know, um, maybe maybe King just next to the money component <laughs> is, um, you know, what makes you the happiest? What what gives your kids a happy mom? So um, I'm excited. I'm and I'm happy that I've been able to kind of find this, you know, this new part time work that is totally going to bring my kids a happy mom. It's it really feels fulfilling. So. Anyway, with only 24 hours in a day and, um, and this certification pro- uh, process for kinder music, um, it's, it's, been, uh, it's been a July. I'll tell you what. It has been a July. Um, and we're already at the halfway point. It's the end of July. School ended like a little more than a month ago. And yikes, um, 
I've kind of been the last couple of days, I've kind of been regrouping and reexamining our summer goals, trying to find that balance of fitting in the fun stuff that we wanted to do. Um, and I am so good for that. If, give me a vacation and I will give you a massive plan for what I want to do in that time that is pretty much unrealistic. <laughs> but yeah, I've been, I've been trying to reexamine that, figure out the stuff that we still have yet to do that I want to do projects around the house that I'd like to accomplish, um, like the fact that I'm sitting in my little home office right now that at one time was kind of on the road to being clutter-free, and now I'm I'm just kind of looking around here, and it's like, yeah, stacks of stuff, literally um, up to my chin. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping some of you can relate. So, uh, yeah, and, and of course, I'm trying to make sure we have lots of time for some R&R in August, because before we know it, we'll be back to all of those routines. And, uh, and that's when I will start working as, you know, my part-time job. So yeah, lots going on. Today's guest, um, I'm excited about. She's, uh, one of my BFFs. Um, she's a teacher mom and she's in the thick of it all. She's on her summer vacation, of course, right now. Um, but you know, she's got her little guy at home and, um, She's actually a reading teacher. That's her current position. Um, but she's experienced in a lot of different um, roles within literacy education, starting off as a first grade teacher, you know, having a regular first grade classroom um, and, and having some other roles that were all kind of, you know, within her, her passion of literacy ed- education. Um, and we have a great little conversation where she gives some great tips um, about teaching your kids to read and kind of clears the air about some learning to read myths um, that, you know, I thought, you know, I personally felt beneficial about. And, you know, I have a, my oldest is nine. So, um, so yeah, I, I think you're going to enjoy. And uh, without further ado, I present to you my little chit chat with my Biff, my bae, uh, Allison Otto. Hello, everybody. I am so thrilled to be here today um, because I have my bay on the line. <laughs> I just recently started calling her no, bay. Yeah, that was like which last also, week. Which, yeah, which is like last week. And also the term bay is like um, from 2015, I think. Love it. Love it. From a long time ago. So like everything, I'm late to the game. Like the podcast game. There's 400 billion podcasts in the world, but I'm here finally doing this. So anyway, um, I'm here with my bae, Mrs. Allison Otto. And um, Allie is here. She's our literacy specialist. Um, She's been a literacy coach. She's right now, she's a reading teacher. She's been a first grade teacher. She's done all kinds of things in her career involving teaching little people to read. So yes, welcome on to my podcast. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, You know, you're welcome. And you know, I think we should tell everybody about um, when we first met. (laughs) Because I think it's a story worth telling. (laughs) Okay, well, whose side do you want? (laughs) Because there are points Um, of view on this one. Yes, let's see. So this would have been um, freshman college orientation. Yes, pre-freshman um, college, yes. Yes. Um, summer of uh, 2002. Oof. And uh, I know, which doesn't seem like it was that long ago, but... When you yeah. put it in numbers. Oof. When you put it in numbers, it's it's been a little while. And um, yeah, yeah. I, I, um, I, I've always been kind of... I'm an extrovert, um, pretty, pretty solidly. No way. (laughs) And I pretty much been one of those types of people that when, um, I don't know anybody and I walk into a room, I'm kind of like scanning the room for like who I, who looks like a nice person I should talk to and become friends with and perhaps inevitably best friends. Um, (laughs) and I'm the one in the room who's always trying to hide from you and yet... (laughs) 
somehow <laughs> here we are. <laughs> and Allie, do you want to tell these fine folks um, what what the first topic of conversation was? About? I'm not sure if people are aware what a brilliant <laughs> conversationalist you are. So we're in an auditorium. <laughs> Right before they're about to dump all the fake IDs on the stage to tell to you scare, not to, to use scare the everybody. Yeah. 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 The BUPE totally was ready me. to, you know. Totally scared thing. me. Yep. And I was like, I'm just going to sit here by myself, <laughs> be with this thing right now. I'm not sure how I'm feeling. Just going to be my introvert self. And this little thing comes bouncing along. <laughs> plops her little self down right next to me. First thing she says to me is, so I'm thinking of getting this haircut. Uh, uh, all right. Did I at least tell you my name first or did just, no, you probably knew me because we had that like small group thing. Oh first. my gosh. Did we have to do something with like tapping and clapping and saying our names and oh. I, we were music ed majors. I'm sure Coming we did. Up with we're some kind of rhythmic mm -hmm. pattern. Or, yeah, I think we some had, yeah. dumb icebreaker. Yes, I'm uh, sure. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm confident. Um, oh, boy. But, and then, she, and that, but it, it really doesn't stop there because then she went on for a good <laughs> seven to 12 minutes. <laughs> On some haircut options. On and the haircut never, options, yeah. Mm -hmm. I never looked back. <laughs> see, see, it's it's all good. It's like you this know? one, this one, it's something special. And I've been dragging Allison along on harebrained schemes ever since. <laughs> well, that is true. That is and this true. podcast interview um, may not be any different from that. Except no carrot juice this time. Except for no carrot juice. We could have an entire podcast dedicated, episodes and episodes dedicated to the harebrained schemes Hair that I have dragged us on. Hey, here's a new but, idea. It can be yeah, a there you go. long if, form narrative. Yes. Okay. If short stories, uh, the podcast of Mommyhood Matters by the shortest Talman doesn't work out, we could just, I could just go through all of my harebrained schemes. keep wanting more. I mean... <laughs> Long stories, long stories that should be short stories. Oh yes, well those are all of my stories. I yeah, my husband probably loves that I call this podcast short stories because yeah. none of my stories are short. But you know, Allison, we're not here to talk about me, are we? <laughs> I don't know. You're the one who dragged me into this harebrained scheme, so. <laughs> Let's start with question number one. <laughs> Let's get some focus here. So tell me about your journey. Boy, I, I really worded this like a goon. Okay. Tell me about your journey to your current job as a reading teacher. You've been everywhere in the field of literacy education, um, including something called the literacy coach, which I only know because you became a literacy coach. And if you know, I'd never even heard of it prior to that. Um, so tell us about all these different hats that you've worn over the years in your teaching career. All right. Well, that's very generous. I mean, I would say the journey part, that that is absolutely the truth. Um, there are many, many aspects to, you know, literacy education. And I'd like to think I've scratched the surface. I've done a few different positions. Um and um, there's still so much, you know, for me to do and so much important work that people all around the country are doing. But um, my specific career, I started as a first grade teacher, you know, fresh out of college, shipped myself down to Maryland and um, gave it a go outside D.C. And um, while I was there, I, you know, as teachers do, realized that how to get a master's degree because that's right. all but a requirement most places. And, and started to think, you know, I was teaching first grade and that is such a, especially, you know, 10, 12, 13, whatever years ago, 
that was the time where kids really were learning to read. It's since kind of shifted downward a little bit. I think really kindergarten is when we're seeing more of the, you know, kind of light bulb moments of learning to read because of demands of curriculum and um, full day kindergarten and things like that. But um, when I had started, that was kind of the, the biggest part of my day as a first grade teacher was, you know, helping kids on this crazy journey we call learning to read. And I kind of fell in love with it. Um, I thought I found it fascinating. I found the processes amazing. And I found myself thinking, you know what, I could do this all day. I could do just this. Um, I loved having my own classroom. I loved having, you know, my 20 kids, 22, 25, whatever it was, <laughs> seemed to grow by the day. I loved that family. I loved that kind of aspect. But there were lots of things about the job that I felt weren't for me in terms of non-curricular, non-teaching kinds of activities mm. that some people really love. Sure. And for me, I was just so fascinated by this specific aspect of teaching, teaching to read specifically, mm -hmm. that I decided um, a couple years into my teaching career that I would go and um, pursue my master's degree in um, specifically in literacy education. And I'll never forget, I went for my interview and sat down with my advisor and, you know, he said, so... So why do you want to come into this program? Why do you want to become, you know, why do you want to be in literacy education? And I said, well, I just love the idea of sitting down with, with a child and teaching them and helping them learn to read and just going through that process with one or two or small groups of children. <laughs> and he just looked at me and he was like, well, that's nice, but that's not really what it is anymore. And I was like, oh my gosh, um, which way is the door? Right. But I didn't. Um, I stuck around um, and I went through the program and I learned a ton. And you sound I did really some, smart. Um, so you sound like I'm super you smart. Like I don't know if you realized. <laughs> oh, God. Stop. Don't make fun of me. Um, so, a lot, yeah, in this program, I learned, you know, I did learn the, you know, strategies sure. for teaching students strategies for you know how how to help them along the process I learned the theory the fundamentals the you know linguistics things like that but I also spent a fair amount of time especially toward the latter part of my program learning about um, the role of the literacy specialist and specifically the literacy mm. coach and how there are schools of thought that say, okay, it's great to teach small groups of kids and, and accelerate them and remediate them and do those things. And that's important work. But also there's a way to reform education kind of from the top mm. down, where if we equip teachers with the knowledge and the skills and the support to be the regular class literacy specialists. The, the regular class. Yes, okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. If we equip them with these, you know, with the knowledge and tools that they are become specialists in literacy as well, then we can kind of maximize our impact. Such is the that theory. logical. And as, I mean, as we know, you know, Maggie, you know, after being an educator for many years, theory and practice are not always synonymous. Sure. You know, there's, there are things that, you know things that are not the same as what you study and what you right. do. Um, and theory and practice don't always go hand in mm -hmm. hand. Um, but so I know this is a long story, so to speak, but um, my my path is, is a bit of a windy mm -hmm. one. Um, my, my husband is in the theater. He is a um, He's, he's a in the theater. He's in the theater. <laughs> but he's not on stage. He is a... Um, no. Oh. Uh, um, Hi, Matt. 
um, he is a technical, he's a theatrical sound designer. And his career has taken him um, in a few different places. And I, you know, us being college sweethearts have um, been together on the ride um, through both our careers. So um, I spent four years down in D.C. while he was getting his feet wet in uh, the D.C. theater scene um, and then got my master's, finished all that. And um, we promptly moved back to uh, my home state of Connecticut, Connect. which I never expected. Connecticut, <laughs> yes. Um, and we lived there for three years. And during that time, I went through the oh so fun process of finding a new job. A couple and, times. Um, a few times. Well, um, and when I first moved to Connecticut, I thought, I'm just going to go back into the classroom. I just got my degree. Right. I'm not, you know, I'm going to just stick it out a few more years. Mm-hmm. I'm going to see, you know, see what comes along. And lo and behold, what came along was actually a um, Title I reading position. And so I was like, well, right, you got to work, right? And I think I know some stuff, so right. let's give this a go. Um, Title One, you know, for those who might not know, is for lower income schools, um, a certain amount of money is allocated to help students in poverty um, receive opportunities that other sure. students might not get. So my position was funded by the Title One program in hopes of, you know, helping to support um, low sure. income struggling students. Um and it was a learning mm-hmm. experience. Not not so much the population, not so much even the position, but the environment that I was in. Sure. Um, it was just, it just wasn't the best fit for me. Mm-hmm. And um, so a year later, um, went to Connecticut, you know, still in Connecticut. I was in an urban school at the time and moved to a more rural kind of school became a, a again a reading specialist there loved it um and um then you know three years was up my husband finished his um master's degree and we moved again and we moved to new york city and i again was like i'm just gonna stick with what i know oh, God, i'm already exhausted you've done so many things stick with what i'm doing no you kind of have, I though. I mean, I've lived yeah. in two places, three if I want to count my student teaching abroad, but that doesn't really count. Um, so it's kind of fancy. Yeah, but you've journeys. done yeah, but you've done a lot. That's why I really wanted to talk to you. It's this is it's this is just a it's it's a windy path, like I said, but um, <laughs> it's mine. I own it. Um, and that's when I became. Yeah, I became a literacy coach. Um and that was a learning experience as well. Mm-hmm. It was, I mean, I didn't intend. Right. So now we're in New York city, that. right? We're talking about New York city now. Oh, yes. yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And I didn't intend on teaching teachers. I didn't really think I had any kind of, you know, I, I, I knew I had knowledge, but I didn't think that I was, you know, the stellar teacher who was ready to, impart my wisdom on the world, but that was the position that was there. And that was what I did. So for three years, I kind of worked on the other side of things. What's that? I said, they thought you did. They hired apparently. Yeah, they did. Um, and you know, after my three years, we, um, had my lovely son and, um, Mm -hmm. moved out to the, to the burbs and, um, with it, I got my current job uh, in the burbs as a uh, a reading specialist again, and I think it's the best thing for me right now to be working with the kids again, to be um, where I am, and um, yeah, so I'm happy for the journey. All the all the stops along the way have taught me something. Um, and uh, you know, I I'm and that's where we're at. Hoping to be where I'm at for for some time. That's awesome. Now, do you like? Do you think that you know? Since you've, you know, part of part of why I want to talk to Allison in particular is because, you know, of course she's a mom. I'm interviewing only moms um, for this podcast. She's a mom. She's a working mom. 
She has this, you know, a career that specializes in something that is of particular interest to moms because, you know, obviously literacy is something that, you know, all of us moms are, you know, dealing with regularly, nightly and homework probably. Um, (laughs) And, you know, and I feel like your career, you know, winding path, you know, is um, something worth talking about and, and kind of hearing about a little bit. Um, so do you think, so you, you said you're happy where you're at right now and you hope to stay there for a while. Not that it matters and not that you need to like, you know, plan out the rest of your life, but you know, today, but do you see yourself doing this for this for your career? Do you think you might flip flop again eventually? Um, you know, what do you think? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, the nice thing about having this, literacy training, literacy degree, is that there are some different kinds of options. There are some different things to do. And I definitely um, still believe in the work of literacy coaching. Mm. I still am very um, interested in research, interested in pedagogy, interested in developing. And I do fundamentally believe that we can change teacher practice we can improve, not that we need to, right, know, sure, sure. but we can make teacher practice even better by working together. You know, the role of a literacy coach isn't um, a supervisor. It isn't a, um, an administrator. It's, it's a collegial role in its, in its best form. And I do still believe in that work. And I do still have a desire to do that kind of work someday. But right now, my focus is really on working directly with kids, getting some more experience so that I can speak from even more experience, um, learning more while I'm actually doing the practice. So I definitely, um, would go back, but, um, right now I'm really enjoying the hands-on experience that I'm getting. Um, eventually, definitely I could see myself doing other things with the, the skills that, that I've developed. Um, but we'll see. That's awesome. You know, and, and I have to say just, you know, being your BFF, I think that, you know, I, I feel like you're in a great place right now. You know, I think it's a good fit for you. So, and that's a great thing. That is a, whew, let you rest easy at night. You know, it's nothing like when you feel like you're not in a great, you know, place and, you know, getting up in the morning is like, Oh gosh, you know? Oh Yeah. So it's, you know, yeah, it makes it tough. Um, so you've moved three times, um, and you've had to apply and interview a zillion times. And for me, as much as my little extroverted self loves to talk to people, I dread interviewing. Oh gosh, I hate it. Um, you know, maybe it's because I haven't had to do it a whole lot. You know, I've, I've done it quite a number of times, but not you know, less than a half a dozen or maybe a half a dozen. That's about it. Um, you know, since I've, you know, been in the adulting world, um, you know, but I, I'm sure a lot of our listeners, you know, might identify with that feeling of dread, you know, was it scary having to do it so many times or do you kind of feel like you just, you kind of got it at this point? No, I still definitely every time got the dread. Um, <laughs> definitely like, I'm just going to forget what I'm going to say. I, you know, I, the dream about, you know, showing up at school in your underwear, whatever, the whole right. thing is just like, <laughs> it, it's, it's groundhog day with that. I think, um, yes. for me, uh, I, I did find over time that I learned to kind of not put as much pressure on each individual interview and try as hard as it is to kind of separate myself, like my personal, you know, my feelings about myself. Right. Based on the interview, you know, and it's like, it's like, okay, this happened. I did what mm-hmm. I could and things are going to happen the way they're going to happen, you know, which is, you knowing me is not really how I roll most of the time, <laughs> but I, I had no. to, cause you can't like get upset, upset every single time if you're doing it that much. Like, and it, you know, you know, I, well, I and there must be some, there must be some confidence that you gain in 
you know, you've you've interviewed and gotten a new job, a full time job, you know, quite a few times, <laughs> you know, um, you've never been you've never been without a job, right? Uh, it was maybe about a month or two. Yeah, you've been pretty good. Your records actually you must really actually know what you're doing. <laughs> Go for it. <huh? laughs> um, so, you know, now you guys you're in the burbs. Yeah. You guys are pretty grand. You're upstate, as some may say. Yeah, oh, but way of course, upstate. Yeah, like an hour oh, outside the city. Like God. Westchester, God. like way up. Don't even. <laughs> upstate. I'll show you upstate. I can. Can you smell cow manure from your house? I don't know what that smells like. <laughs> because I can regularly smell cow manure and I do not live on a farm. <laughs> we, we like to joke about. The real upstate versus the fake upstate. Or I like to joke about that. I really think you're laughing. No, it's funny. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you guys are, there. you guys are, you know, have your house and you're pretty grounded at this point. Doesn't look like, you know, it, well, you've already been there for a few years already. So you've, you've almost surpassed how long you've, you've ever been anywhere else. Um, yeah. The, uh, yeah. You're getting close to that office. point. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, what, what has been, you've always lived in an urban environment. Mm. Um, what has been the biggest adjustment after living, you know, in the city life for so long? And on top of that, you know, now you have a kid, you actually <laughs> can, can we talk about, um, how you closed on your house? It was also another special day, the day that you closed on your house. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, it was a special day indeed. That was the, um, I got back to my empty, newly closed house. My husband went to work and, uh, in the city, in the city. Yep. An hour mm-hmm. away. Cause we're and they live very upstate. We live very upstate. So. Um, and you know, I had my air mattress, some boxes and, um, not even a, and a cell phone, a cell phone. Thank goodness. Um, mm-hmm. my favorite part of the story is that I didn't have any, we didn't have any cups yet, you know, and by this point <laughs> I was hugely pregnant and, um, needed some water. So I emptied out one of those gum cups, <laughs> like, like, or like the gum cup holder or gum. Whatever oh my gosh. That you're I supposed to be it. able to put in your cup holder Emptied yes. out the gum and just filled that with water like a million gazillion times. That's um, hysterical. and then I put up my tension rod shower curtain and then, um, my water broke and um, <laughs> I called this one and she said, why are you calling me? I'm like, why are you calling me? Call your doctor. Like, it's kind of more like that. I, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> and now I'm very calm and cool. But um, at the time I was not so. And I just kept thinking, I just moved into this house and I'm already ruining the floors. <laughs> I love it. You know, you finally, here you go, you're preparing, you know, you're expecting and you get this house and the blessed day that you closed is the day you go into labor. Very same. I didn't get to sleep in. I slept in a hospital bed our first night in our new house. That is hysterical. I mean, it was a little scary at the time. but uh, It was. It was six weeks early or no, not six. I'm sorry. It was only five weeks. Um. Mm. He was a month early, but uh, we were we were very lucky. Everything was great, and um, we did eventually get to come home to our lovely house, with our lovely child, <laughs> with a baby. And, um, we have very generous families who helped us out, helped us set up our house. It was like extreme home makeover when I got home. So <laughs> I was um, that's awesome. I'm very grateful, and uh, that is it, awesome. it all worked out somehow. Right. So what you know. So back to this question, what's what's been oh, your biggest yeah. adjustment after living city life for so yeah, long? Yeah, um, well, I'd say the biggest thing I miss is takeout food. Oh. Or, or more specifically, delivery food. Oh, and yes. We have, you know, we lived in New York City. And so if you wanted the most random thing, if you wanted like Singapore noodles at 2 a.m., you got it. Like mm-hmm. that's, you know, whatever. And now it's like every Friday we're like pizza or Chinese. Pizza right. or Chinese. Pizza mm. or Chinese. 
we could get in, <laughs> but then we would have to drive, and I'm not. Mm. Um, That's so funny. That was kind of the biggest, like, oh, um, yeah. But on the flip side, we could just drive somewhere. So, <laughs> uh, I, like, it's it's a it's a you know. It's an adjustment. You take the good with the bad, but um, right there you go. I do enjoy. I I'm I grew up suburban. I'm not you know. Right, right. That's true. Cosmopolitan girl. So, um, having my car at the ready all the time is pretty nice. I have to say. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, I can't. I cannot imagine. You know, I mean, I lived in. I went to college in Boston. We went to college in Boston, so I didn't have my car there. But oh my god. I mean, I've had my car with me ever since I came home and it's like, can't imagine not having it. I cannot imagine. I do not know anybody anywhere in the world who is raising a child in the city, any city, I don't care, Mm -hmm. is a brave and hardy soul. I believe it. I believe it. Just taking care of myself, my dog, and... (laughs) my husband you know <laughs> come on let's be real in the um, city yep in the city was i i to add that oh i don't even know laundry transportation. right oh my gosh everything every oh my gosh yeah space i i like really really people who figure it out and make it work i have so much respect for because it is i, I cannot even imagine i believe it so you've got this this little monkey, yeah. and um, you know you've got a decent little commute. Although it's not as bad, you know, as other times. Um, you know, how does that? What is that like? How do you stay sane? What are what are? Yeah. You know, I, how do you make that work? Because I, I also that's another thing. Like in living in the true upstate, <laughs> um, not many of us have much of a commute unless, like you know, you work in Syracuse and you decide to live in you know New Hartford or whatever. Um, or if you work in Rome, like there's a lot of people that work in Rome but live you know more in the Utica area. So that's all of twenty to thirty minutes. It's not a huge deal, right. um, you know. And there's no traffic or minimal traffic. <laughs> yeah, there's no like there's not a lot of variables, yeah. you know, in terms of the traffic. Um, so, you know, what's that like? So I think I have made peace with my commute finally. Um, (laughs) I actually started to use it to my advantage. I mean, when I first had my, my son, um, when I went back to work, I was commuting from upstate, um, into the Bronx and oh, that's right because you were still working in the city. Year, yeah, first year I had right. Yeah, and right. it was it was rough. It was I didn't like it. I, you know, I was also sleep deprived and and you know didn't want to be away from my baby and you know but pumping I, and nursing and all that good like, stuff. What am I doing? Like, what is this? This is terrible. I have to. I spend all this time in my car. It's horrible. Um, I think the past year or so, I've come to appreciate the time in the car. Mm. Um, as as well, my, it's because you have a toddler now. <laughs> yeah, I that I'm like, ooh, yeah, no, us for now. That's amazing. I'm <laughs> I'm psyched. Um, but I I uh, not just learned to appreciate it, but learned to like make it a little more productive for myself. Um, I call my mom every morning pretty much. Now my mom's retired now. So we have our little catch up chats where she basically just wants to know all about her grandson and um I kinda love that. It's it's really it's morning she's an early bird, so we get it first thing in the right. morning. You know, after I've heard my news headlines, then you know, and so that's my, my morning usually consists of yeah, getting the news and then talking to my mom. And then the afternoon is kind of a little more fun, so to speak. Um, I, you know, I get a little bit more news, see, you know, see what I've been missing. And then um, I listen to podcasts or I listen to... Um, podcasts are awesome, aren't they? I mean... But yeah. I just feel like the podcast world has just been missing just a, some kind of little something. 
So I'm hoping to, hoping to, you know, short stories, you know, short conversations with people. Yeah. About, (laughs) about mom, mommyhood matters maybe. Yes. I don't know. It's spitballing here. You know what? I couldn't put my finger on it, but that's it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, no podcasts have really changed and audiobooks. I've really come, Mm -hmm. you know, I've been trying to branch out. I've been listening to a little bit of, you know, um, self-helpish kind of stuff, if you will. Oh my God, I'm a huge self-help junkie. Yeah. You know that. My, oh, I my can't Brene Brown sister here. Oh, um, yes. We are shame sisters. If you if you um, are familiar with Brene Brown's work at all, you'll know that there's nothing weird about that. <laughs> and it's actually wonderful. He's my but person. To just, yes, exactly. Um, but I feel like to think of, you know, to say like, oh, like you're my shame sister. Like you're who I go to when I like need to rumble with my shame and it's like <laughs> that like what is that hippy dippy baloney but it's awesome it's true it's true so, <sighs> but anyway you know and throwing in some novels and doing yeah so so trying yeah. to look at it more as time that can be spent bettering myself rather than love that rather than lamenting the fact that mm. i do spend two hours a day in the car and that's just a fact of my life right now um so I see what you did here. Really what you did is you kind of took a negative and you kind of made it into a positive and you use this time to sort of, you know, give you, give yourself, it's a part of your recipe for self-care. It kind of is. It kind of is. I have, you know, I have my snack. I do have Love a it. snack um, <laughs> in the afternoon because I think snacks, you know, as an elementary school teacher, we know. Yes. I know. It sounds very like, oh, it's snack time snack time mrs otto <laughs> i always have a ride home snack even mm-hmm. if your commute is five minutes i strongly endorse a ride home snack <laughs> they're life-changing i love it keep something in your lunchbox to look forward to i'm telling you <laughs> um you know coffee in the morning and it's 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 become a quiet time a centering right. kind of time yeah it's, that makes sense Okay. All right. Well, let's let's go back to literacy world a little bit here. Okay. Let's see if we can if we can learn from you, if we can pick your brain a little bit. Um, what are some things that parents should know about the early childhood years with regards to learning how to read? You know, I feel like you know, sometimes we feel like we don't know what we should be doing. Um, you know, what is too much? What is expecting too much developmentally? Mm. Um, you know, I've had things like, you know, where I've been like feeling like, oh my gosh, your kid can do that. My kid can't do that. <laughs> and then, you know, and then the other parent saying, um, like I have this one friend who's a, who's a, I've interviewed her actually, Karen Davis. She's um, a speech therapist mm. and she'll be like, you know, she'll kind of remind me and like calm me down. Yes, but that's not normal. You know, like that's not, mm-hmm. it's, it's okay. And not to say that it's not like she's saying that her kid's particularly extraordinary, but you know, every kid like learns different things at different times and they might be ahead in some areas or, you know, maybe not ahead in other areas, whatever. So, you know, I kind of feel like it's, you know, what, it, with, with regards to the early childhood years you know what what should parents you know know or or try to encourage well I really think you hit it on the head when you said that kids develop at different rates especially there's so much variability at Mm. young young ages um and I mean I dealt with that (laughs) excuse me with my own child you know I was I I, you know you you were with me on this journey Mm -hmm. I mean when I started having concerns about my son's speech, I was mm-hmm. like, are you kidding me? Like the cobbler sh- children have no <laughs> shoes. Like how yep. could it be? I am an elementary mm-hmm. school teacher. I specialize in early childhood. I know about literacy and the importance of language. And here I am. And I'm not getting, you know, speech out of my child. Like, and right. I know that that's a building block. And so, you know, but um, the, the the great thing is that there are resources available and that you can, you know, the early intervention program that we went through, and I know that you've had experience with too, Maggie, yeah. like, is there and it is amazing. 
but also on the flip side, it doesn't have to be, you know, just because your kid's not doing it now doesn't mean it's not going to happen. And there are kids who come to school, you know, that know all their letters, that know all their numbers, that know all their colors. They know that stuff. And that's great. And there are Mm -hmm. kids who come to school and they don't know what the letter A is. And that's okay. But the most crucial thing, your kid does not, I mean, don't tell anyone, your kid (laughs) does not have to know their whole alphabet. They don't. Really? They don't. But what is everybody, like, aren't I going to look bad in front of the other moms? They don't know what they're talking about. If they oh, that's right. I'm not supposed to be feeling that way, or am I? <laughs> I no, they. It's not the most important thing. The one and like, not. I shouldn't say one and only, but your primary responsibility in those responsibilities, I should say, there are two, sure. and they're big ones. One, talk to your child. Talk okay. all the time. Just talk. Talk about what you see. Talk about what you hear. Talk about what something feels like. Just talk because that's the foundation of literacy. That's the foundation of learning. And then read read books to your child. So pat yourself on the back. Because Because you're already doing that. You did it. Mm Mm-hmm. That's it. Love it. Okay. So it really is, you know, in terms of literacy, because I, you know, you talked before about how, you know, when you were teaching first grade, you know, in the beginning, that was kind of like the big year, the flagship year for learning how to read. And it's everything's been pushed ahead. It has. Um, so it does feel like, oh, my gosh, like my kid has to go to kindergarten, you know, with, you know, college credits already. Like, I know. you know, that's what it feels like. Um, and it's okay. Hard. So talk to your kid, read to your kid. We're hearing it straight from the horse's mouth <laughs> from a literacy specialist. That's really the big stuff. I you mean, don't have to sweat not- over. I mean, not that you shouldn't encourage the alphabet, obviously, but yes. you don't have to sweat over that. The the what you really have to be doing is talking and reading to your kid. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. The um, yeah. The important. What thing what, are, what about extra credit? What are so, do you have any extra credit? What are some extra credit things we can do? I mean rhymes do some rhyming do some i mean songs singing with your kid um identify you know yeah start some of those early concepts it doesn't hurt you know right naming colors doing numbers writing their name i mean simple simple stuff you they do not have to have a phd in kindergarten you know okay but whatever and what they pick up is what they pick up you know and what they don't pick up it'll come along. Right. You know? Okay. And if your kid is like my kid and all he wants to do is sing wheels on the bus, then you know what? You let him sing wheels on the bus. And that's just, <laughs> this is what they do. And you just be happy that that's, that they're doing it. That sounds good. And chances are their music teacher will be very pleased that they can sing the wheels on the bus. <laughs> I can attest to that. If that's as long as it's not all, but <laughs> Because <laughs> oh, no. that gets a little annoying, huh? A little bit, a little bit. But all right, well, that's okay. So, what about you know, moving up to elementary school years, which is you know, I mean, that's kind of a broad, you know, range. Sure. But you know, what should parents be working on, you know, or expect expecting at that time? Um, so probably a lot of the same, actually. Really, like you still should be making sure that you're talking and not, yeah. you know in front of your cell phone all the time, which, oh my goodness, everybody struggles. You know, it's my tough. hand is, up. it's tough. It is so tough. I, my hand is literally up right now because, you know, I might be writing about this stuff in my blog. I might be this huge Rachel Macy Stafford. Actually, I am wearing my hands free life t-shirt right now, <laughs> but you know, I'm the first to admit I'm on my phone too much. Mm-hmm. So having conversations with your child and reading with your child, probably still, yeah. I'm assuming. Okay. So that's still important in the elementary school years. Uh, And then what, you know, what should we be working on? What should we be expecting? Well, so we always, I always say at conferences, especially my, you know, my teach, my, excuse me, my parents will say, okay, well, what can we do? What can we do? And, and really 
it's the same. And I, you know, I work with students who struggle. I, I sure. work with, you know, parents who are asking. I, I always tell them it's our job to teach, right? We do the heavy mm-hmm. lifting during the day. Your child does a lot of heavy lifting during the day. Mm. When they come home, it's reading. It's applying the skills. And from your side as a parent, reading to your kids, even when they're older, I think that's something that, Mm -hmm. um, you know, naturally once, once, our kids learn to read. Yeah. We're like, oh, you're good. Sure. Go, go read Harry Potter. Go enjoy. You know. I abs- yeah, but that's me. I'll be honest. Sharing those experiences and modeling and always keeping, you know, having your child um, encounter um, material that they may not be able to read on their own but can still comprehend and connect mm-hmm. to and feel and – love, I think are, are really important things. And then support your child in whatever they like to read. If your kid wants to read every book in the Diary of the Wimpy Kid series, and they can read it, you know, fairly easily, let them read the whole thing. I know. And I, you know, we cringe at that sometimes as parents. We want them. And as a teacher, too. I want my kids to read beautiful classics and wonderful. Sure. Like, but if they have something they love right now. But don't squash their interest. Don't squash right. their interest. Okay. And it will not always be about Captain Underpants. All right. But Captain oh. Underpants might open the door for more later on. And if we say no right away, I'm not saying, you know, inappropriate or things that don't align with your values. Right, sure, of course. Like yeah. But if we, right. you know, if we say oh, that's not good enough now, then it, it can reduce their confidence and their desire to keep looking for other things. Mm. That makes sense. It could be magazines. You know, it doesn't have to be novels. It doesn't have to be. It could be comics. Okay. It could be a variety of materials. Sure. Okay. Okay. I like that. And, you know, that makes me think, too. I mean, it kind of makes me sad to think, you know, I don't know if I've been guilty of this before. I don't think so. But, you know, listen, I've I made mistakes on a... hourly basis isn't even the right minute by minute basis. (laughs) But, you know, I think, gosh, it's kind of sad if you, if you tell a child that that, you know, whatever, die every wimpy kid, you know, that's not good enough because that's where their interests are. And it's kind of squashing their, and I think, you know, I think it's done with the best intentions. Sure. Usually it's, it's Mm -hmm. coming from a place of, well, I want you to, I want you to yeah. read a wrinkle in time. I want you to experience. I want you to, to you know, have all these right. things. And, and sometimes it's, well, I loved this. Right. So you'll, you'll, love, you'll love it too. Mm-hmm. And it just might not be where they're at at that time. Right. Okay. Um, if you think your child is falling behind mm-hmm. in ELA skills, what can you do? to help definitely first just go right to that teacher just ask mm. you know set up a meeting have a conversation know what you notice and ask what your the child's teacher notices chances are your your child's teacher will have a volume of information mm-hmm. on what your child is doing and if they're not then that's another conversation if they don't have that information that's another conversation but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, ask questions and, um, g- you know, hear what is to be said. Um, mm-hmm. If you feel like your child, you, if you feel like your child would benefit from other services, ask about what services avail- are available, what criteria they use to place a child. Um and, you know, kind of just, it, it's a balance. It's a balance between, you know, kind of listening and, and 
and going by what's what goes on in the school and making sure that your child is getting what they need. So stay, you know, stay plugged in, stay mm-hmm. vigilant, you know, observe your own child and um, just have that conversation with the teacher. Cause nine times out of 10, you guys are probably going to be on very similar pages and, mm-hmm. and they might even reassure you, you know, they well, might think, you know what, like, well, because, because this, thought process like my kid has to go into kindergarten with college credits my kids got to know all these things and you know and maybe it's not even though the push has been towards reading in kindergarten rather than first grade maybe it isn't such a 911 as much as we fear that's a really good parent end that's a good point it's a good point. And it's, that's why it's a conversation mm-hmm. and that's why it's, it's good to share those. I noticed this. What do you notice? Mm-hmm. And what goes on at the school? Like what is, how do we make those decisions mm-hmm. and what do you, what becomes a warning sign for you in the classroom mm-hmm. and what, and, and what can I do at home? And if, if right. there's, you know, if there are other things to be done, then, right, then that's right. when that will will come out. But I, I, I can't emphasize enough that conversation. I'm sure your child's teacher will be thrilled for you to ask, mm-hmm. you know. Are there any common misconceptions about literacy education that you want to clear up for us? Um, hmm. Well, I think we touched on some of those on the whole, like my child needs to be reading before they get into school. Um, They need to have all their letters in order to be a reader. That is a myth. Your child does not need to know all their letters in order to be a reader. My two-year-old is a reader. He doesn't read a single word on the page, but he is a reader. Your child, you know, no matter what age your child is, if your child is interacting with printed material, with books, with whatever they are readers. Oh, okay. Cause I was just going to interrupt you and say like, what, what are you talking about? Okay. I see. So if they're interacting with printed materials, that is, that's okay. Yeah. Okay. That's what we call em- emergent literacy skills. If your child's picking up a book, turning the pages, looking at the pictures, pointing to things, saying some words here or there, even like babbling and turning pages mm-hmm. Your child's okay. reading, oh, wow. and those okay. are really great skills. Um, it's okay if your child memorizes books. Don't worry mm-hmm. about it. Um, and reading is not sounding out words. Oh. Um, that is using phonics and using letter sounds is one part is that of what the decoding whole is? process. That That's would be decoding. decoding. Okay. Decoding is one piece of the puzzle. So decoding, it can work both ways. Some children are excellent decoders, but the big thing is if you don't comprehend, you're not. Right. I see. Okay. Some children, it's, it's more rare, but there are some children who have significant difficulties with decoding, Mm -hmm. but understand a lot of what they've mm-hmm. read. They're just processed differently. Mm-hmm. And that's where we start to talk about um, specific kinds of uh, learning challenges. Right. But the two need to go hand in hand in order to be successful. So just say, you know, just having kids sound out things is not gonna. I see. It. So, so trying to push to that, to trying to push that like in the early childhood years is not necessary yeah. and not even necessarily helpful. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, trust me, if your school, you know, your child's school likely has a phonics mm-hmm. program. It's likely that they are working on letters and right. sounds. Um, that's not really what they need to be doing outside of school what they need to be doing is is again reading applying practicing using that in text so you don't need to go crazy with flashcards and sounds and you know 
a little bit of brushing up on some some words or whatever. Sure. It never right, hurt. Right, right. But, but don't like stress over it. We want, right. We want kids to know that reading is a whole bunch of different things, not the least of which is comprehending. Right. Um, but not by any stretch the least. So. Well, my goodness. Yeah. I feel like I've learned a lot of things. And how many times have I, you know, talked to you about what you do? And I kind of feel, and I kind of feel better. <laughs> you know, oh, I feel better as a mom. That's- I feel like, okay, I'm kind of thinking, all right, like I'm thinking about things that I can do to support my three kids, you know, where they're at at the stage that they're at right now. Um, you know, I can think about things that like I can pat myself on the back about and not worry about. And then other things where I think, okay, like my oldest, you know, I don't, I do kind of, you know, let it go. Like, okay, she's good. She is literally reading Harry Potter and I'm like, eh, like, she's good, you know? Um, but maybe, you know, we could, we could up that a little bit. We could, you know, I could read with her and to her and, you know, take turns reading pages or something like that. Like that's still something that's helpful. Yeah. I mean, don't go crazy. But Yeah. Like don't lose sleep exactly, over it. But. Exactly. I mean, the thing of it is you're, again, like in school, the job of the teacher, the job. They're, they okay. the They're doing all the heavy lifting. Your job is support at home. You know, your job is allowing them to practice, getting them, you know, making sure they're being diligent, making sure that they're keeping up on things. And beyond that, you know, it's, it's on the, the the teacher and on the school to help that right. progress along. As long as it's a partnership, then you're good. That sounds good. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. I think this might be the smartest conversation we've ever had. Probably. There was like fancy words and stuff. Oh, it's like a all our all our schooling is coming out. Yeah. Well yours anyway. Oh. But yeah, this was all, this was very, very helpful. Thank you very much, my dear. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, you know, I really do think that people are going to benefit from, you know, might have learned a tidbit or two, you know. Um, I think for me, it was like a little, you know, kind of relieving a little bit, learning some of the, the you know, your perspective as a reading teacher. And I'm kind of saying, okay, like, especially thinking about my little guy, you know, I don't have to fret so much you know like it's okay if he doesn't know you know have those college credits before he steps foot into kindergarten so that's a good thing yeah (laughs) all right i have my six questions that i'm asking everybody at the end of the interview are you ready i'm ready okay favorite book or author Uh, you know it's really hard to ask a a reading teacher that but i have to go with (laughs) my oldie my goodie my children's book Matilda by Roald Dahl my favorite got me into loving reading myself that's awesome all right favorite quote I'm gonna have to go with John Lennon Mm -hmm. life is what happens when you're busy making other plans it's not the best quote Mm. such a good one in such a great song. Oh, don't even get me started. Talked about this. Oh my gosh! If you have a little boy, you have to listen to um, "Beautiful Boy." Thank is you. Gosh, called? I was like, I think, I think it. Wait, what is it called? I think it is called "Beautiful Boy," isn't it? I think so. I don't know what else would be called. I don't either. Oh my gosh, it's the best song ever. I dare okay. you. I I challenge you not to cry. Right. Oh my gosh. You don't even have to have a son, you know, but no, it's just, even more so. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so good. Okay. Guilty pleasure. Video games. Really? <laughs> I, I did not know that. One of my, it's become, you know what? I, I, <laughs> I think because, um, because you live with a video game well, gamer. Yes, yes, I do live with a gamer. Um, but also, I find that it's more immersive. So it really gets my mind off of everything in a way that... That's even, hysterical. 
when reading, when watching TV, when that doesn't get me fully out of, you know, my world yeah, where I really want to head, basically. Because you have to do so much and it's kinesthetic and I, I don't know. I don't know something about it. That's hysterical. Okay. I'm very choosy about my games, but yeah. Well, what's your favorite game? Oh, ah. well, right now I'm enjoying The Sims 4. It's really <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> I am, I, but it's, it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I also like a few not mommy, very good mommy games, but. <laughs> All right, we're going to have to continue this video game conversation another time. Clearly. All right, moving on. Um, besides your family, what gets you going? What puts the fizz in your soda? You know I'm like a Coca-Cola-aholic, so oh I had to put that in there. So what, what gets you going? Um, that's a, I, I, I mean, I love cooking. I love food. Mm -hmm. I love music, singing. Uh, I yeah, I mean, anytime I can do a little bit of something creative, something mm -hmm. outside of outside of myself, produce something, I mean, it makes me feel good. Awesome. What keeps you balanced and calm? Mm. I think that's kind of it's kind of the same thing, but also you know, meditation. Mm -hmm. um, mindfulness sometimes i'm better at it than others mm -hmm. um, but i never regret when i do it when i take that time um a nice hot bath oh yes kind of yeah it's the basics what do you think the world needs more of mm. love sweet love now um, <laughs> i mean i think just listening listening sharing talking understanding mm. each other not not always agreeing but, but mm -hmm. respecting each other and listening and honoring each other's differences mm -hmm. all right well this is gonna work just fine i think great <laughs> Well, thank you again, and uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks for having me. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.